0: Hi, everyone. This is the Power of Technology podcast, and I'm Mick Turner. Now, I'm excited today to have Dan Moros with me. Dan leads our North American C4 team. He's regularly talking to customers about multi-cloud and workload placement. So this is really the second in a series of podcasts um, that we're doing uh, the last one you would have heard with me and Nick Brackney was it really started around repatriation but it what we we concluded at the end of it it's really more about uh, application mobility and uh, workload mobility and data mobility and uh, that's specifically what we're talking about today with data placement so Dan it's great to have you here and maybe we can start off by asking you what does the c4 team do
1: hey, hey Mick great to be here thanks for having me really appreciate it So C4 stands for, it's not that we like to blow things up, but there are folks in the team that do, but it really stands for customer-centric cloud and containers team. So this team is a worldwide team that helps our customers with anything cloud, cloud native, cloud strategy, workload placement. Um, We get engaged with customers and how do we develop a strategy to what does it look like in the data center, at the colo, in the public cloud, et cetera, et cetera.
0: So Dan, uh, my, my first question for you is where are our customers right now and, and what do you see as driving this need to better manage workload placement?
1: Yeah, Nick. you know, I think if you look at all of our customers in a spectrum, they're across the board. Some are, you know, early in their journeys, some are very far in, in our journeys. But I believe what's driving it 100% is agility. I think you, know, you look in the past um, you know IT kind of built uh, an establishment in the organization lived within it that's changing rapidly because organizations are saying IT you're strategic to the business you need to react you know quickly to where the business needs to go and where the customers are whether they're internal customers or outs- outside customers that's going to drive the competitiveness so when we look at you know workload placement in the multi cloud i kind of assert that it's it's a multi cloud world you know it's not really a hybrid world anymore a lot of times we hear, you know, using two clouds is 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 a is multi cloud. Well, we also incorporate the, the the data center as part of that. But, you know, a lot of organizations are using Salesforce. They're using Office three sixty five for email. Well, there you go. You know, you're you're multi cloud. You're you're farming out some of that work because, frankly, you know, I'd rather use my time doing something more aligned to the business versus out there managing a email server, if you will. And so when we look at, you know, workloads across an organization, you know, the number one asset to an organization, in my opinion, is people. You know, that if without the people being out there doing the work, you know, that's, we're going to fail. But I would say number two right after that is the workloads. Workloads drive that. And so when you start to look at the workloads, what are all the attributes of those workloads? How many people does it affect? How many people does it touch? And so when you look at all of that, you say, okay, what are the risks associated with that? Risks of running it X, Y, or Z? You know, public cloud, co location, multi cloud, et cetera. And then also looking at the cost of change. When I say cost of change, I think about the people. If you, you know, I see here organizations say I'm cloud first and they make this lift and shift approach, that's a huge cost of change in the sense that you're taking all these technologies, my human capital that my organization know and moving it. And so when I try to categorize applications in many ways and I help customers with this multi cloud journey, I kind of look at it in two estates where a state one, you know, think of it as a house or, you know, I'm in Texas, so maybe a ranch. A state one is your traditional apps, your high performance, something that might be very much controlled by compliance or regulation versus a state two, which is really all my apps that are driving the digital future of my business or my transformation. So you can kind of look at those and say, a state one might be something, again, if I look at the app, is this something that I can easily move from say a state, and a state one doesn't necessarily have to be a data center, it could be colo. And a state two doesn't necessarily have to be a public cloud per se, um, it could be colo, it could be at the edge and, and things of that nature. It really depends on, again, let's look at the application. Let's look at the workload. Let's understand how the organization's using it. What's the lifespan of that application? What's the cost of and risk and agility of losing that application? But not just looking at the application as its entirety, but saying, hey, this application tier one is production, is one way of running this. What about tier two, tier three, running that application in test dev? So, in all, you know, really taking a look at the applications and understanding: is this going to perform great, you know, somewhere else? Is this high performance? Does the data structure, does the way the application's written really coincide with, say, moving this and lifting and shifting it into more of a public cloud model or not? Or do we look at the applications that we're investing in for the future that are cloud native, that have that capability of mobility and portability, and where do we place that and look at all of those attributes around that? So ultimately, it's all about, you know, the cloud is really a delivery model, not so much a place. So where's the best place to deliver the workload back to the application? Cool. Yeah.
0: And I, I know I talk to, to customers uh, on occasion and I know a lot of the, the the customers who are kind of in the early stages of this this process um are asking, you know, how, how do I do it? What what are the first the key steps required to kind of understand what workloads I have and where to place them? Can perhaps you can talk a little bit about those those steps, how how some of our listeners can potentially move yeah. forward with some of these concepts.
1: Yeah, Mick, it's really interesting because when I talk to customers, customers are like, well, what is how can Dell help me, you know, with this? I don't look at Dell and think cloud strategy and think about workload placement. And that's the farthest from the truth. You know, when I when I get to talk to customers, they're like, I didn't know Dell did this. I didn't know Dell had this aptitude. Because a lot of times we we hear customers saying, hey, I'm gonna go cloud first. And the public cloud provides a framework and says, live within this. This is how you need to do things it is kind of in our name as our team, customer-centric cloud and containers team, we take a much more customer-centric approach. So customers, sometimes we see customers looking at enterprise frameworks like TOGAF, and that can get very cumbersome for a lot of organizations. And so we do this within our team where we sit down and say, hey, why are you wanting to do this? What's the end in mind goal here? Uh, how you know where is your organization going? Let's understand where the business is going. Let's understand how is IT mapping the tactics and the strategy to that. But if it's truly a strategy, then we need to measure its success. So what are the KPIs? And we help to try to tie that IT drive and evolution and transformation into something much more tangible and measurable. And then we look at everything that's available. Again, understanding where the workloads are, we do workshops on this where we sit down and we kind of have a methodology. Because a lot of organizations that look at some of those enterprise frameworks goes like, "This is just this is too much of a cultural change." And I love those enterprise frameworks, and I think it's great to refer to those to grab certain aspects when you run into uh, you know kind of a, of an issue. But ultimately, you know, let's understand the workloads. Let's also develop principles. Principles in which as we make decisions about this transformation, what are the core reasons we're doing this? So when when it comes time to a tough decision, does that decision really support the principles? And those principles are different for every organization. One might be, you know, whatever we do to to drive to this cloud delivery model, we must do self-service and deliver a service within 15 to 30 minutes, or we must have an exit strategy. And then again, understanding the profiles of the apps. What is a tier one app, tier two app, tier three app? What does that look like, that tier one app look like at the edge, in the private cloud, in the public cloud? So we really understand all the attributes around it. Speaking of attributes, that app, a tier one app is going to require this RTO, this recovery point objective. This is the plan for disaster recovery and business continuity. We've evaluated the app. This is the lifespan of the app. So we really understand fully all the different things that go into the care feeding of those apps. And then finally, the last thing we kind of look at, we bucketize this of the laws of the land. Economics and physics. Land being, hey, I have regulations about where this could be or some type of compliance. Economics being hundred percent the cost of this. You know, the hyperscalers where they make their money is on transport costs. You know, they yes, they resell us infrastructure as a service, but where a lot of organizations don't think about is I'm. I, I, it's hard to forecast. Is what's it going to cost to move the data around? What's the change rate on that data? And then finally, the laws of physics is all about latency. You know, the number one repatriated app that we see is VDI, because if we move that somewhere else, your your network's not, you know, what it's capable of doing and so forth, customers may not have a great uh, experience. So those are some of the tactics and things we we work with customers. And by the end of going some of those workshops, customers have a much different appreciation for what multi-cloud by design or what our cloud to ground strategy might be and how cloud can really be used to accelerate and drive that delivery model within their business.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. I like what you said about kind of the customer centricity of, of of what you do and the fact that, you know, uh, and I've seen this in practice as well, that um, it's very much a consultative model where we look at what, what's best for the customer. It's not a case of, Hey, we've got solutions that fit all these um, uh, these application models, but, it's about what's best for those applications at that time. And, and, and I think that's a that's a really, a really, really key point. But uh, as far as the uh, – and getting a little bit tactical and, and specific here, uh, what have you seen from a uh, – what workload characteristics align with public cloud versus kind of on-prem versus colo and, and even edge? Obviously, edge is becoming a, a really big deal now. How are you seeing – what workloads are, are gonna align with those different deployment models?
1: Yeah, again, I would take a step back. And again, you're, you're kind of going through that 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 workshop we're talking about. Understanding all the attributes of the DAP really help place and come very clear where it belongs. You know, we think about the public cloud. You know, the public cloud's all about, it's API driven, period. It was written for APIs. All the infrastructure is behind the scene. I get to interact with an API and I get to drive automation orchestration. And you you think about uh, you know that's what it was birthed for. Ten years ago, the whole concept of DevOps and Kubernetes came, and it kind of false started. Now it's coming right back around, and it's and it's going really hard. It's driving really hard. So when you think about the public cloud, you know I think about organizations like an Airbnb or one of the rideshare organizations. That the lifeblood of that organization is a mobile app. It was birthed in the public cloud. It leverages the you know the global network and all of the tech capabilities. I think that is right for being in the public cloud. I'm not saying that test dev on some of that stuff shouldn't be maybe in a colo or on-prem where you may not be paying for that, but the lifeblood of that app, the lifeblood of that organization is that agility, is that drive, is the ability to kind of re- revise those apps in a very quick way. So microservices aligns very much to those type of things. I think those things are, are right for that. Something that's agile programs, container-based and kube-based. Um, so I think about customer-focused apps, things that are out there that span the world are just right for the public cloud. Again, we go back to the workload understanding of of what, what I have in a state one uh, on-prem or at the edge. Again, you know if I'm driving or creating a ton of data at the edge and I want actionable insights, and we see that with, with artificial intelligence and retail and so forth, it's hard to move that data, then process it, then drive it back. So we see a lot of folks where that data just needs to stay there and I need to get, whatever modeling and whatever output, we need it right from the edge. And same thing for on-prem, You know, VDI workload going back and forth, we kind of use that as an example already, that might be better suited for being on-prem. And we would see the best of the both worlds in my opinion is a lot of folks are saying, hey, I'm kind of digging this, this aspect of cloud adjacency because I get to still control my data. I can sweat my assets. I can oversubscribe my assets. It's still dedicated to me. You know, I don't have to pay necessarily the transfer cost. And by the way, if I'm in a colo that has very low latency into the hyperscalers, if I want to use AWS today because they have the best model, uh, you know, or the best app for this, great. I can copy the data in or I can use it from my colo instance. And I don't necessarily have to pay to get it back. I can delete it. Or tomorrow, if if Azure has a better solution, well, now I can move it. Again, it's very customer-centric. What are your needs? Maybe not all customers need that. But you know, again, the public cloud was birthed more from an API-driven component. And now we're seeing it drive into IT with this whole aspect of infrastructure as code. And so we're automating and orchestrating not just the applications, but now we're automating the IT infrastructure. And one of the big components that came into play for Dell is with Apex, we're bringing the best of both worlds from cloud to ground and ground to cloud, kind of the concept. I know you are going to talk about that in the future, but it's really give me that customer-centric cloud and give me that multi-cloud by design. But that design is really about what are the core needs of my organization? Not so much, here's a framework and live within it.
0: Cool, That that's really neat, Dan. I really appreciate your, your input here. We've kind of come to the end of our time. Um, and you'd mentioned the follow-on, we will have a follow-on podcast that's probably gonna be happening after Dell Tech World. I know, I think you're at Dell Tech World, right? I am. Cool. Awesome. So if you guys happen to be there, if you're listening and you'd like to have a, a deeper discussion about this, um, we will be around the booth. Um, so come find us. And uh, then we'll also do another one of these where we kind of drill into some of those announcements and talk specifically about, you know, what are the components of these this cloud to ground and ground to cloud strategy that you, you hear us uh, talking about. But for now, uh, I, I really appreciate it, Dan. Thanks ever so much for coming on. Great to be here, Mick. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you. And this has been Mick Turner for the Power of Technology podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, uh, Dan Moroz, and you for listening. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe.